You use the profits and resources from your business to solve the problems that exist in the world. So really the big question that I have to throw out today and and really what I want to talk you through step by step is why should you consider being a social entrepreneur over just being a traditional entrepreneur? This is game-changing information guaranteed to raise your real estate wholesaling business with actionable steps you can take immediately to navigate the ins and outs of wholesaling and start making money today. Join us as we put our guests in the hot seat and dive deep to dissect their strategies for success to enable you to duplicate their results. You're listening to Wholesaling Inc., the only show dedicated to making you a fortune in wholesaling. Welcome to the Wholesaling Inc. podcast. I'm your host, Chris Arnold. Today, I want to begin with a quote from the late cultural anthropologist, Margaret Mead. She was also a author as well as a speaker. And she said this, and I want you to chew on it. Never ever depend on governments of institutions to solve any major problem. All social change comes from the passion of individuals. I want to welcome you to my new mini series, How Entrepreneurs Will Change the World. I want to remind you at Wholesaling Inc., we believe that real estate is a vehicle for you to impact the world. And that once you learn how to combine your profits with your purpose, your business and your life will never be the same. On my show, we will now start exploring this idea directly. While other episodes provide you with both inspiration and practical instruction around specific real estate concepts, really to help you execute on those concepts, This show is about helping you better understand your why and really how to elevate everything that you do. So the main idea today that I want to flesh out with you is that the world is desperately in need of more social entrepreneurs. And it's quite possible as you listen to this podcast today, your calling might be to be one. So let me start with defining. You might have heard the word social entrepreneurship before. It might be a word that you uh, have not heard, but I want to define it. Social entrepreneurship is an approach where entrepreneurs use their business as a way to develop, fund, and implement solutions to social, cultural, and environmental needs. Fundamentally, this is what I'm saying. You use the profits and resources from your business to solve the problems that exist in the world. So really the big question that I have to throw out today and and really what I want to talk you through step by step is why should you consider being a social entrepreneur over just being a traditional entrepreneur? Well, I want to lay out four reasons for you today, four reasons that have really driven myself to be a social entrepreneur, Four reasons I really believe that you should consider that really might move you in that transition of, of looking at entrepreneurial endeavors, what you're doing, your business in a different way than you might have looked at it before. And the four reasons I'm going to give you, two are going to be selfless. And the other two I'm going to give you are actually selfish. They're primarily for your gain and what you're going to get from them. So let's begin to break these down. The first one is this, the world needs more people to solve problems. As I mentioned at the top of the podcast, the government alone cannot solve all the world's problems. There are way too many problems that exist in the world. And if we have a mindset in which we step back and say, you know what, other people, government entities, et cetera, nonprofits, you know, we're going to let them handle all the problems that exist in the world. I'm sorry. 
but there's not enough manpower within government, within nonprofits to solve all the problems that exist. What I'm going to tell you is that the need is so high for problems that exist all over the world, whether that be in the US, whether that be in foreign countries. And again, these are problems that exist not just with people, but as I said as before, this can deal with cultural challenges. This can deal with environmental needs. There are so many things that need to be solved. And in order for us as a world to get ahead and begin to solve these problems, there's a whole group of people that are needed, needed to step in and have the ability to come in and pick up some of these problems and solve them themselves. And I really do believe that entrepreneurs have a very unique position of freedom to be able to use the resources that they have through their business, the profits that they have in their business, and to look at their business as a way, really as a vehicle to be able to impact the world. And so the first reason I'm telling you is because the need exists. And as I'm talking right now and and talking about the needs of the world, I listen to you guys. I listen to the podcasts that are recorded by the other coaches. I I hear the students come on. And again, I was just literally listening to a podcast this morning that Brent Daniels did. And the two young men uh, that he had interviewed were talking about how they wanted to utilize their business to be able to build homes in Mexico and really how they had this vision for every time they you know made $10,000 that was enough to build a home and they were talking about envisioning you know the look on that kid's face right that family that child that son that daughter when the keys to the house were just handed over to them so i'm going to tell you how how powerful that is and i know that there are some of you that are listening that you see something in real estate that's bigger than yourself and so for some of you this might be a newer concept i remember when I first got and heard about business, I really didn't understand the idea that it could be used to create such impact. For me, business in my mind was something that I felt like people used a lot to really honestly serve themselves, to, to buy bigger toys and to buy bigger houses. But once I began to understand that business was a vehicle to impact the world, my mindset began to shift on how I understood business and what we could accomplish through it. So really, the first thing I'm telling you about social entrepreneurship and why you should consider it is because there's too many needs in the world that are being unmet right now. And as you're listening to this podcast, you might have a calling to meet one of those needs and to solve one of those problems. The second one is this, responsibility, bottom line. I believe that the purpose of influence is to speak up for those who have no influence. I love, love, love that quote. I want to say that again. The purpose of influence is to speak up for those who have no influence. Business is influence. As your business grows, as you make money, as you attain more followers, whether that be via social media, as you have employees that begin to work for you, begin to look up to you, what is happening as your business is growing, as your influence is growing. And we know that the larger the influence, the more that that can be channeled to move things in the world, to impact things. And what I want to challenge you on is the idea is that the purpose of influence is not for you to be able to move things in a direction that just serve you, but your influence exists to speak up for those who have no influence. I want to talk about Manny Pacquiao for a sec. Uh, for some of you, you might watch boxing, you might not, but just so you know, Manny Pacquiao is the only eight division world champion in the history of boxing. He's also a philanthropist and uh, he's been a senator in the Philipp- of the Philippines since 2016. I love, love, love this quote by him. He says this, boxing gives people power and hope. Boxing has given me my voice, but why do I box? 
why do I fight? Is it my true purpose? Fighting the fights that really matter. That is my wild rabbit. If you look at the life of someone like Manny Pacquiao, he understood that the influence that he was given through the stage that he built by becoming really an eight division world champion was not meant to just serve him, but he was given that influence to yield that influence to impact the world. And he has, he's impacted the Philippines uh, in a major way. He's given tons of money away through his philanthropic work. And if you know anything about Manny, man, just an incredible guy. And it's particularly around the effects of how he's utilized his influence. And so what I want to challenge you today is I really believe that it's your responsibility to utilize your influence for something other than yourself, to use that influence to move things in the world that need to be moved. And if you begin to have that mindset, then you're starting to think bigger and to look outside of yourself. Let me go to the third thing. As I mentioned, the first two things were selfless, not really about you, but about the people that they were serving. Let's go to the selfish side of this. Let's look at what is to be attained through it. Now, that's not our, our driving reason, but I have some of you listening and like, I don't really know about this social entrepreneurship thing. So I'm going to speak to everyone at every level because really my goal via this podcast is even if I just get one of you, one of you to really start considering the concept of social entrepreneurship, that's a win for me. So fulfillment is the third thing. Really, what I want to tell you is I've realized that there is a really what I call the profit purpose spectrum that exists. I've been on both sides of this. For those of you that don't know my background, uh, I actually quit going toward getting my bachelor degree. I was at the University of North Texas, and I left there to actually go to Bible school. And for anyone that doesn't know anything about Bible school, the one thing you'll find in Bible school is you will find people that have a lot of purpose. You don't go to Bible school for any other reason than you have a deep desire to impact the world. But I'll tell you what I noticed within the Bible school context and the thing that we did not have, and that was profit. Uh, I remember those days of doing tutoring uh, you know, in the afternoons to, to help pay for my tuition. I was a valet for a long time in, in Dallas, Texas, and I valeted cars. So we're a bunch of young you know, men and women sitting around with this great desire to impact the world with really strong purpose, but we didn't have profit. And what I'm going to tell you is when you have purpose, but you don't have profit, what you're going to find people is that you're going to find them frustrated because they have such a heart to impact the world. And yet they're so frustrated because they understand that in order to impact the world, not only do you need time, but there are many times in which you need money. You need to be able to write a check. And either you're going to live one of two lives when it comes to creating impact. If you become philanthropic, you can either, number one, raise money and build something that's at the mercy of other people's giving, or number two, you can build an economic engine so you can write the check yourself. That's my calling. I love the freedom that when I see something I want to change, I see a life that I want to impact. I don't have to run around and tell a sob story to people about, well, this has happened in this individual person's life and you know we need to rally around them and, and really feel like that my ability to impact that person is really built upon my ability to convince people to give this person money. I'd rather just write the check myself. And so that's really been a big thing for me. So that's, that's on one side of the profit purpose uh, spectrum. You have really all purpose, but no profit. You're going to find yourself frustrated. 
Well, as I've been in business and I've gone through now 15 years and man, I've been very high level groups like entrepreneur organization, et cetera. I've become friends and, and I sit in communities of people that have a lot of profit, people that are worth tens of millions, hundred million dollar plus. What I've noticed with them a lot of times, and this is not all of them, but I'm giving you the spectrum here, is that they have profit, but no purpose. And what I have found is people with profit and no purpose, they're empty. They look around and they go, there's got to be more to life than this because I have success, but the thing that I'm missing is significance. And what I want to tell you is there's something powerful on that spectrum. When you bring profit and you bring purpose together and they collide in the middle of that spectrum and you as an entrepreneur wake up every day with both of those things, really the combination of those two things colliding is what I'm telling you is social entrepreneurship. That's what it is. It's the idea that every day I wake up with a deep-seated purpose that I am living for something greater than myself. And not only that, I got the profit to back it up, to drive it forward. And so that spectrum is something that I have observed and watched over a long period of time. And so what I want to challenge you today is to understand that you want to be in the middle of that spectrum where those two things collide, because that's where the real magic happens. I love, love, love this quote that I want to share with you. It comes, actually, I was trying to remember where I wrote it. I heard it actually on a documentary, so I didn't write down the author, but it impacted me. Happiness comes from getting the right kind of relationships, the three kind of relationships that you need. The relationship between yourself and others, between yourself and your work, and between yourself and something larger than yourself. Let me say that last part again. Happiness comes between the relationship between yourself and others, yourself and your work, and yourself and something larger than yourself. I really believe that happiness, fulfillment, I believe those things come when we lose ourselves in something greater than ourselves. I know John Wanamaker said this in his book on you and your network. The most important lesson I have learned is that I have the least trouble with myself when I'm giving myself to a worthwhile cause. Wow. I don't know about you, but the times in my life where I'm not serving, where I'm not volunteering, where I'm not giving my time to something outside of my business, outside of myself, those are the times I've become more self-absorbed. I've become in a place in which it's really all about me. And I don't know if you've been in those positions before. I, I feel like if you're being honest with yourself, you have. All of a sudden, like all of my issues become bigger and greater because my eyes are so focused on myself. But as John uh, Wanamaker said, you know, there's something powerful about the idea, the lesson that I have the least trouble with myself when I'm giving myself to a worthwhile cause. And, I, and I've experienced that. I find greater fulfillment. I find greater happiness. And to be honest, a lot of what I thought were problems in my life really become minimized in comparison to the problems in the world in which I'm seeking to try to come in and fulfill. Anyone that's ever gone on a mission trip, served overseas, went and built houses, know that we go to serve, but the reality is the people that are impacted most are, are not the people we're building a house for. It's actually us because we walk away with a deeper sense of gratitude. We walk away with what I like to call ABC appreciation by contrast for the things that we have. And so I think that that's a really, really important piece to consider. Uh, really, when you're taking a look at social entrepreneurship, if we're just talking about pure selfish reasons, and again, I'm being a little bit uh, hyperbolic with that, but it's the concept and the idea that it is the way that you're going to find deep fulfillment in your life. It's through giving. It's not through gaining. 
The last one I want to share with you is Apex. I love this quote by Hudson Smith, who wrote a book called The World's Religions. And, and let me read it to you, because this is really going to reframe your thinking about aging in your life and where the best year is going to be. Are those best years going to be in your, your 20s and 30s? Are they going to be in your 40s and 50s? Or are they going to be in your 60s and 80s? And if you really think about that, I know a lot of people, they're like, man, I don't really know, man. My 30s were great. I'm concerned about my 40s or you know, my 40s are going to be amazing. I'm really concerned though, as I get to my 60s. You know, The question is, what is the apex of your life? And what Hudson's going to argue here is it depends on what you value the most. That's going to dictate your apex. Let me read it to you. Whether life has a future beyond middle age depends in the end, not on poetry, but on fact, on what the values of life really are. If they are supremely those of the body and sense, we as may well resign ourselves to the fact that life after youth must be downhill. If worldly achievement and the exercise of power is best, middle age, the state of the householder, that will be life's apex. But if we value vision, understanding, impact, giving, those carry rewards equal to or surpassing these others. Old age has its own opportunities, and we can come to happiness at the time when the rivers of our lives flow gently. We see this all the time in the world. I watch this with professional athletes, right? It's great to be a professional athlete, but we know that those are short-lived careers, and we see that once you know their football career is over or their you know baseball career is over, the apex of their life was in athleticism. And there's a really deep sense of loss because that is what they valued the most. And I see the same thing with true with people, you know, middle age. If they value success and building businesses and they get to a point in their 50s and you know, even early 60s, and they've They've built businesses and they've made money. And it's just like, what am I going to do with another million dollars? I'm telling you, they feel like that they have come to the apex of their life. And they're very confused and saddened about the last half or last quarter of their life. But I'm telling you, those that value wisdom, those that value and understand that building experiences and building capital to get to a place one day where it can all be given away to impact the world it really does change your reframing in which the greatest and glorious days of your life can be. They're not in your youth. They're not in your middle age. They're when you get to a place in your 70s and your 80s, and you really have the ability to create the greatest impact. Because if you look, when it comes to those measurements of wisdom and impact and generosity, a lot of that is done at the highest level by people that are in their 70s and 80s. So something I really really want you to chew on as I reframe that for you of, of why you might potentially be a social entrepreneurship. So let me recap those again for you. Number one, I believe you should consider it because the need is so great and there's more problems in the world than the government and nonprofit can solve. Number two, I believe it's your responsibility. I believe that if you have influence, the purpose of influence is to speak up for those who have no influence. Selfishly, as I said, going from the selfless side to the selfish side, I don't think that you'll find fulfillment and meaning in the businesses that you're building right now. If you tend and continue to build them for your own benefit, period, that's it. There's nothing greater than yourself. You have got to lose yourself in something greater than yourself. And lastly is the apex of your life. What do you want the apex, the glory days to be? Well, I can tell you that your glory days are all going to be dependent on what you value most, because that's exactly what Hudson was saying in the quote that he said. So I want to transition here. I want to 
transition to the barrier. And again, I could name a few barriers, but I'm going to name the one that I think will probably be the 80-20 here for most of you listening today. Here's the main barrier when it comes to social entrepreneurship. Well, when I have enough money, when I'm rich, then I can be a social entrepreneur. A lot of you listening right now are going, this is something I would love to do, but Chris, honestly, I don't feel like I'm in a position. I want to give you a couple stats here, and I want to reframe your thinking on this. The first stat is this, 2.6 billion people live off less than $2 a day. As of recording this podcast, if your net worth is $93,170, your net worth, I'm not talking about cash in the bank. We're taking your assets, your car, everything that you have. If your net worth is $93,170 or greater, that makes you richer than 90% of people in the entire world. What I want you to know is you might be in this when-then type of thinking. And I was as well. It's like, well, one day, one day, one day I'll get there. What I want to argue and really press upon you is this. The when-then, the then is now. It's here. You are in a position to give. And again, I, I do want to take a second. I know that there are a small fraction of people that are listening to this that are truly in a deeply challenging place. And they really do need to focus on pulling themselves out from where they're at. But the majority of you listening are, are closing deals and making money. And I would argue that a good chunk of you definitely have a net worth that's more than $93,000. And so I want to go to something that really challenged my thinking. Uh, it's a quote by Andy Stanley. Um, he's a pastor uh, out of Atlanta. And he said this, because we don't feel rich and because we don't consider ourselves rich, consequently, we don't act rich. In fact, we act irresponsible, even though many of us have crossed the line from not rich to rich. Man, there's a lot of meat on that bone. What I want to help you understand is if your barrier is when I'm rich, then, then I'll begin to look at giving and social entrepreneurship. What I want to argue with the fact is the reality is you are rich. If 2.6 billion people in the world live off only or less than $2 a day, and you have an income or net worth of $93,000 a year, you're rich. You're there. So this whole concept of when, then I get there, I really want to challenge you on that, that you listening to this podcast right now, for particularly those that are listening that are born within the United States, giving the opportunity, the privileges that we have to be able to be entrepreneurs and to earn incomes, you're already in a position to be able to move in that direction. So I want to tell you a story, really, honestly, a personal story that, that impacted my life. Some, some of you know this, some of you don't. When I finished up really my undergrad, I decided to go and live in Africa for six months. I moved to Uganda and I lived in a city called Masaka. And there in that city, I, I really had two main responsibilities uh, doing really missions work. Number one, I did leadership development. And number two, um, I built a children's ministry because during that time, and again, I don't know where things are at as of today, but when I was there back in the early 2000s, there was really not a lot of emphasis put on kids, um, even in the church world. So if you went to a church, there was no children's program for the kids. They were kind of fundamentally told to kind of sit in the back or play outside and be quiet. So I wanted to come in and I wanted to do something specifically for kids because it had never been done for them. And so we launched this 
really this uh, children's ministry. And uh, we ended up having like, I think I had like 125 kids. I mean, literally from infants, I'm not kidding you. If you know anything about Africa, if you're even six years old, you're probably taking care of the infant baby in your house if you're a daughter. Uh, And then I had kids all the way up to 16. It was the most random and diverse, probably little uh, group or youth group, whatever you want to call it, you had ever seen. So you know, I used a lot of creativity during that time to figure out ways to to challenge their thinking, to really educate them and, and to come up with ways to create transformation. But I want to tell you something specifically that transformed my life. You know, there's a lot of poverty in Africa. And so we were telling the story uh, really in the Bible and, and talking particularly about giving and about sacrificing. And so I wanted to do this concept called Operation Sacrifice. And so what I did was I went and I bought all of these suckers from the store. And again, to you, you're like, ah, that's a sucker. To them, most of them had never even had a sucker in their life, not something that their families would ever spend money on. And so I get them all together and I say, hey, I'm going to give you guys something, uh, but I don't want you to open it. And so we literally handed out all of these suckers to all these kids. And so you can just see them holding these suckers and looking at them. I'm like, I don't don't know if this concept is going to work. And I said, okay, we just read a story in the Bible about giving, about sacrificing. I said, hey, I want to challenge you on something. Rather than eating this sucker, I want us to go out from the building that we're in. I want us to go to the streets and I want you to give these suckers away. Now, in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, like they're going to open the suckers and eat them. I'm putting myself in that position. I think that that's what I would do if I was a you know, seven-year-old kid and I never had a sucker. It's kind of like the old marshmallow test. If you ever heard that, where they stick a kid in a room with a marshmallow and tell him he'll get two marshmallows if he can sustain from eating the first one uh, after five minutes. And typically they tend to fail. So we start walking and none of them are eating the sucker. So I'm, I'm really just impacted by the fact of like, they're not eating them. So we're walking together. There's kind of this, like, what's going to happen? They're all kind of looking at each other. And I remember, I'll never forget it. I I get emotional when I think about this little girl sprinted out from the group and she went and she handed that sucker to this little kid. And the whole group just erupted in praise. And from there, they just took off. (laughs) Like it was just like cats scattering everywhere, all over the town where we were at. And they were giving these suckers away. And they had never been able or given something that they could actually give away. Think about that. They were never in a position where they could give. And when they were put in that position to be able to do that, they found such joy by the fact that they had something to give. And I felt, I felt so convicted by that because I knew that I had something that I was able to give away every day. And for them, this was one time for them that they actually had something. So I want to challenge you that whatever it is that you have, it doesn't matter if it's a dollar. It doesn't matter if it's your time. It doesn't matter whatever it is. Maybe it's something that you have in your house that you're not really utilizing. The idea that you don't have something to give away, that you can't be a social entrepreneur, that you can't find something in your business to impact the lives of people. I'm going to tell you and challenge you that there's something there because if those kids within that environment can give away something that they had personally never even had the ability to enjoy themselves, I know for myself in that moment, I was challenged to be a greater giver. So here's my challenge to you today. 
I want you to take one step, one step on the road of social entrepreneurship. I want you to use your business to impact just one person's life. I want you to do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Andy Stanley always says that. And the mindset is this. Well, if I can't do this for a lot of people, then what's the point? No, 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 no. If you can do it for just one, if you can write a check to just one person, if you can help just one single mom, if you can write a check and help just one nonprofit organization, if there is one homeless person that you can go and you can help, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Don't let the idea that because I can't do this for everyone, I'm not going to take it time or it's not worthwhile to do it for the one. That's not the case. Because if we lived in a world where everyone did for one what they wish they could do for everyone, we would have a world in which lives were impacted across the board. Everybody would be touched. So I want to thank you so much for listening today. Remember, your business is a vehicle to impact the world. I challenge you this week to use your business to serve the least, the last, the lost, the left out, and the looked over. Thank you so much for joining us. That's all for this episode. Your next step to success is to continue the conversation over at wholesalinginc.com by joining the mailing list as well as get your chance to book a strategy session to learn the systems and become part of the tribe and work personally with one of our amazing coaches. We'll see you next episode with more ways to make you a fortune in wholesaling.